starting in verse 21. Amen. Praise the Lord. How many of you ran your heater this morning? How many had to switch it over from the air condition earlier in the week? Anybody? Amen. Amen. This weather is something else. Praise the Lord. But I'm glad we got weather to complain about, don't you? Amen. All right, Romans chapter 9, starting in verse 21. Does not the power, potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? What if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had prepared beforehand for glory. Even us whom he called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. I want to speak to you on the subject, the platter on the top of the fridge. Let's pray. Father, in the precious and holy name of your son Jesus, we need the spirit of the Lord today to use this earthen vessel, God, and to speak to our, to our ears and to our hearts today. Let it become the engrafted Word of God in our hearts that will bring forth fruit, and we ask you for it and thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. amen. I want to give some long overdue credit today to something that we have all used in our lifetime. I want to give credit to the lowly milk jug. This is the duct tape of the kitchen. Right? It has many, many uses. Now some of you might not know this, but storing milk is just how it starts. But when I was growing up, that was not only the milk jug, that was the tea jug. How many of you still use old milk jugs as tea jugs now? Some of you. Anybody still make tea? <laughs> All right. Now, I know that you're not supposed to do this, but around our house, it was also the gas jug. And that was such a widespread use that when you go to the pump today, They've got a sign there that tells you, don't use milk jugs for gas jugs, right? It has a world of uses. Now, one day I came in, and there was a milk jug like this. It was full of tea sitting on our counter. And so I grabbed it to move it, and when I did, I almost dislocated my shoulder. Because Crystal had bought some honey from your nephew, James. She had bought a gallon of honey from Stan Day, and I went to move that thinking it was tea and it was, <laughs> it was honey. There's a lot of uses that the milk jug has. Now, in our house, we have a variety of instruments and vessels and containers these are some fancy ones. I didn't put any Tupperware up here, but we've got all kinds 
of containers. It doesn't matter how many containers we have, we always seem to be running short. And the Bible talks about, and I'm going to talk with you today about three things concerning these vessels, these containers. I'm going to talk to you about that there is a variety of form and there is a variety of function and there is a variety of filling, what goes in the jugs. I think it's probably the best to start out letting you know what Romans 9 is talking about in its scriptural context. It is actually talking about where God had rejected because his people had rejected him, had rejected Christ. God had rejected the Jewish people, not that they couldn't be saved, but as a people. God had turned from them and turned to the Gentiles. And Paul was telling us in Romans chapter 9 that God was able to do that because he's God. And he begins to talk about reaching back over to Jeremiah, God as a potter. And he said if the potter wants to make a vessel for honor, he can do that. If the potter wants to take a lump of clay and make it as a vessel of dishonor, he can do that because he's the potter. And if God... uh, Because he is God, he can have mercy on anybody he wants to have mercy on. That they don't have to be from the right bloodline, they don't have to be from the right nation, they don't have to be from the right tribe, they don't have to be the right creed, they don't have to be uh, the right nationality. God can choose whoever he wants to to show mercy because he's God. Now here's the interesting thing about that. The point of this passage is not about God choosing to show wrath. He includes that. He said he can. He can do that. But it's about God choosing to show mercy. This is not a, this this analogy is not a negative one. It's a positive one of him justifying why God can show mercy to whoever he wants to show mercy to. Uh, Romans 9, 16 says, So then it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. In other words, if you make it to heaven, you're not going to make it because you were smart enough. You're not going to make it because you were good enough. You're not going to make it because you were wise enough. You're going to make it because of the mercy of Almighty God. You remember that illustration of the man who died and and went to the pearly gates and standing there, St. Peter asked him and said, why should I let you into heaven? And he said, well, I was a deacon for 40 years. He said, well, we work on a point system up here. And he said that uh, you have to have 100 points to get into heaven. You were a deacon for 40 years. That's a point. He said, well, I was married faithfully to the same woman for 57 years. He said, okay, that's two points. He said, well, I paid my tithe and went to church. He said, okay, that's three points. And finally frustrated, the man said, well, the only way I'm going to make it into heaven at this rate is by the grace of God. And just then the door swung open wide. And if you make it, it's going to be by the grace of God. And when we look at those that God is saving, he might not save the one you think he ought to save. He might not save the one that you think is worthy of it. In fact, everybody that he saves is not worthy of it. And when we talk about the mercy of God, we're talking about that everyone that he's filled his glory with started out as just a lump of clay. So this is not about who gets left out. This is about who gets included. 
That's what he's talking about is that God can have mercy on who he wants to have mercy. That's the context of this. But I want us to take it and look at it in a practical term. First of all, there is the variety of form when it comes to different kinds of containers and vessels that you have in your house and that they had in ancient houses. 2 Timothy 2.20 says, But in a great house there's not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. There are various kinds of vessels. We see, we see glass, we see brass here, we see, uh, I, it was supposed to be silver, but I think it's stainless steel. Uh, we see some pottery here. Uh, we also see some things that are plastic that were painted to try to make them look like they were fancy. Uh, we've got porcelain here. <laughs> and so we've got all different kinds of containers here. Here's a, a silver container, all different kinds of containers. And in the house of God, not everybody's the same. Everybody doesn't look the same. Everybody doesn't act the same. Everybody doesn't think the same. Not everybody has the same talents. And we don't like to talk about this because we live in a society that believes in participation trophies. But can I tell you, not everybody has the same level of talent. There are some people in the, in the church that are more talented than other people. I wish that I had been born talented like John Baker. Instead, I had to settle for being charming, witty, good-looking, Right? It's the cross I have to bear. We don't, we, don't all have, we don't all look alike. We don't have, all have the same form. There is a variety of form. In fact, if there's not a variety of form, we're not doing our job. You know the local church ought to look like a cross section of heaven. Well, what do we have in heaven? What do we see in the book of Revelation? We see people from every nation, every tribe, Every kindred, every tongue, that's what it ought to look like. Did you know that uh, Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in America? Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about different likes and dislikes and all of that kind of stuff, and I'm not trying to be critical. I am trying to say that we ought to worship God, and since God is pleased with variety, we ought to see that in the church. We ought to see a variety of different kinds of expressions of praise, different kinds of expression of worship. We ought to give people an opportunity to serve uh, in areas that they're gifted in. I can't do what Teddy Lott does. In fact, when I go back and ask Teddy when he's working around the church, if I ask him if I can help him, he says, no, 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 preacher, that's all right, I got it. He sees what happens when I help people, right? Ask Pender what happens when I... When I help. Somebody's going to get hurt and it's usually somebody else. <laughs> you may hear that I got killed, but if you hear I got killed working, you better check it out. Amen. There's different kinds of forms. There's a variety of form. And then there is also the variety of function. We're not all used for the same purpose. And the Bible talks about that God creates vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. Now, according to the research that I've done, the vessel of honor was actually a vessel that was probably about, held about five gallons of water. And it, it uh, had a, a big opening, had a couple of handles on it, and it sat just inside the door of ancient houses. It would sit on about a three or four foot stand 
right inside the door. And it was there, it provided uh, fresh water whenever people came in. Of course, them wearing sandals, walking on dusty streets where animals had preceded them. They needed to wash their feet. And so it was there so that somebody could take that fresh water and wash their feet. It was also there for someone to get a fresh drink of water. I'm reminded of somebody that said, when I get to heaven, I want to dip my feet into, the, into that crystal river. Somebody else said, me and you better get together on this. I'm planning on getting a drink out of that river, right? But this was there. Someone could dip water out of it, wash their feet. They could get a fresh drink of water. How many remembers the best water in the world was on the back porch when you had a galvanized uh, dipper to dip down into that and get that fresh water. Anybody remember drinking water like that? Boy, y'all are old people. In fact, it was the custom out of this vessel of honor to give a stranger a drink. They think that whenever the woman that came to the well and, and Jesus offered her living water, when Jesus asked her to drink, this, this was actually fulfilling a Middle Eastern custom. She was carrying a vessel of honor down to the well to fill it up for the day, and it was not unusual for some stranger to come up to you and say, can I have a drink? You see, the honor in the vessel of honor was not found in its form. It was found in its function. If you want to be honored, do honorable things. The honor was in giving fresh water to someone that's thirsty. The honor was not in how I look. The honor is in what I did. It was an honor to give someone a drink of cool water. Can I tell you that it is an honor to share the living water? It is an honor to share the bread of life. It is an honor to give people the light of Jesus. It's an honor to be a, not just a recipient of the grace of God, but a reservoir of the grace of God. To be available for the world to come and take a drink. Remember, that's what Peter said. Peter and John said to the man that was at the beautiful gate. He said, look on us. We are to be to the world a vessel of honor. But there were not only vessels of honors, there were vessels of dishonor. Now here's the thing, the vessel of dishonor looked just like the vessel of honor. But the vessel of dishonor was probably a, a, something that started out in the potter's hand to be a vessel of honor, but somehow in the fire, air bubbles had gotten in the clay and they, they begin to pop, and as they popped, it left that vessel of honor marred or pockmarked. It just wasn't quite up to snuff as a vessel of honor. So the vessel of dishonor, whenever somebody washed their feet with that water out of the vessel of honor, the leftover, the runoff, went into the vessel of dishonor. The dirty feet water went into the vessel of dishonor. Whenever somebody took a drink and kind of swished it around in their mouth and sped it out, they sped it into the vessel, they spewed it into the vessel of dishonor. I hate to say this to Sunday morning crowd, but the vessel of dishonor also became a chamber pot. Anybody know what a chamber pot is? Let me say it to you in South Georgia, slop jar. 
Let me just say, if you don't know what that is, it's back when people had outhouses and they didn't want to go out in the cold. They kept a little jar up under the bed. Right? Can I tell you that the most used vessel in my house, and I have three of these, the most utilized vessel in my house is the toilet. It's the vessel of dishonor. Now let me tell you that vessels of dishonor are necessary. Can you say amen? In fact, can I tell you that in the church, God has to have people that are able to take a little stuff, (laughs) right? You got to be able to endure some stuff. Now here's the question. Did God make vessels of dishonor? Did he create them to be vessels of dishonor or did they become vessels of dishonor? In other words, were they drafted or were they, or did they volunteer? And I think that vessels of dishonor usually are those that volunteer. In other words, God's desire for them was to be vessels of honor. But because of their life, because they were willing to, listen, if you're willing to listen to everybody's junk, you can become a vessel of dishonor. If you're willing to take that in, we can make ourselves into vessels of dishonor. Because your function is closely tied to what your feeling is. Whatever is on the inside of you is an indicator of what your function is. The vessel of honor was a vessel of honor because of what was in it. And what was in it was fresh water to quench somebody's thirst. The vessel of dishonor is a vessel of dishonor because of what's in it. Somebody said that whatever you uh, spills out of you when you're bumped, that's what you're full of, right? Somebody jostles you and blessing comes out, that's because you're full of blessing. Somebody jostles you and, and cursing spews out, that's because that's what you're full of. Your function is determined by what you're filled with. Feeling is the key to our function. Now, I want to break this down to you. Crystal grew up in a, in a, around an extended family that many of her uncles used tobacco and chewed tobacco. And they would take the, the old glass Coke bottles and when they get through all the Coke was out of them, they would use them as a spit bottle. And one day Crystal run in, ran in as a little girl and saw that beautiful caramel liquid, which is Coca-Cola. I'm going to tell you Coca-Cola is the ambrosia of the gods. I love Coca-Cola. And she just wanted a good sip of Coca-Cola. So she runs in and sitting there on the counter. You know how children are. They don't ask who it belongs to. They just want a Coca-Cola. So she went in and she grabbed that Coca-Cola, that that caramel liquid and turned it up. And it wasn't Coca-Cola. She said every one of her cousins at one time or another got a hold of some tobacco spit thinking it was Coca-Cola. Whatever you're filled with, that determines your function. This vessel of dishonor was also taken into the kitchen 
And whenever they got through with the leftovers in the kitchen, they would scrape the scraps into that vessel of dishonor. Used to work in a youth camp, still do sometimes. I, back when I was a teenager, I worked with youth camp out in Lizella, Georgia, Camp Ichikani. And I worked in youth camp there, and I was probably about 19, 20 years old. And one night, some of the uh, young staff members went into the kitchen and they had served us, I think it was the last night of camp, they had served us some steaks. And we went in and, and somebody found a, a bag, uh, a bread bag full of steaks that were left over. And we got that and we got a loaf of bread and we warmed those steaks up and man, we were eating those steaks. Boy, I'll tell you, we were having us a time until somebody noticed on their steak some knife marks. And somebody noticed on another steak a dried green bean. <laughs> and somebody noticed on their steak some teeth marks. And we figured out what happened. One of those cooks had picked the steaks up out of the trash can and were saving them to take home as scraps to their dog. And so that vessel of dishonor would take all the junk, all the scraps, and they just kept filling up this vessel of dishonor, and it would sit there for weeks, and, and it would get, begin to uh, turn and spoil, and, and, and you, you know what that smells like. And when it got full, they didn't even empty it out and washed it. They just took it out and threw it over a fence somewhere, just, just threw away the whole thing. And the Bible talks about in Romans 9, I read to you that there are vessels of wrath that are fit for nothing but destruction. And if you allow your life to just become a breeding ground of all of this junk, all of the scraps, then you're fitted for destruction. Now what's interesting in this scripture, when the Bible talks about those, uh, those vessels that were prepared for glory, it's talking about that God prepared them beforehand for his glory. But when it talks about the vessels that were fitted for destruction, it doesn't use the same word that says they were prepared beforehand. It, say, it uses a word that means they became fitted for destruction. And you wonder sometime, and I won't read the scripture to you for the sake of time, but in Romans chapter 9, it says, if God wants to pour out his wrath on the vessels of wrath pour out his judgment. Why hadn't he done it? Because he's sparing the world because he wants more vessels of honor, more vessels of mercy. But there's coming a day when God's going to pour out his wrath on those that are filled with all kinds of lust and deceit and hate and anger. The vessels of wrath are those that have hardened their heart one of the examples Romans chapter 9 uses is Pharaoh. Now, Pharaoh's an interesting case study because the Bible says God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And then the Bible says Pharaoh hardened his heart. So did Pharaoh harden his heart or did God harden Pharaoh's heart? Yes. Whenever we harden our hearts against the things of God, there are times that God just lets us go with it. He lets us butt with our own heads. Because we have rejected him, he allows us to just double down on it. But did you know 
that by the grace of God, you can change your classification. You can move from being a vessel of dishonor to being a vessel of honor. You say, are you sure about that? Yeah. Listen to, listen to what the Bible says in uh, uh, 2 Timothy again and verse 20. Uh, listen to what it says to you. Uh, let me get it for you right quick. Hold on. It says that we can move from being a vessel of dishonor to a vessel of honor. Listen, verse 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. And because of that, verse 22, flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. In fact, verse 19 said, let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. If I come to God, though I've been a vessel of dishonor, even a vessel fitted for wrath, if I come to God and let him empty out all of that that's in there, empty it out and make me, clean me up, wash me and cleanse me, I can become a vessel of honor. Now, I want to ask you a question. Would you rather have a drink of swill out of a crystal goblet or a drink of water out of a solo cup? Which would you rather have? You'd rather have the water out of the solo cup than the swill out of a crystal goblet, right? So regardless of what form a person is, it's what they're full of that makes all the difference. In fact, here's what the Bible, or, or what Andrew Murray said. Andrew Murray said that uh, you can go to the table and there in a silver pitcher, there can be milk in the silver pitcher, he said, but there can be cream in the earthenware. And he said, I've never seen anybody reject the cream because it was in the earthenware. In fact, here's what the Bible says. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We preached about this last Sunday night. That word earthen vessels actually meant the cheap stuff, the everyday stuff, the ordinary stuff. Now, my mother has uh, at her house, as many of you have, she has a china cabinet. This stuff doesn't belong in the regular cabinets. It's not in the regular cabinets. It has its own cabinet. In fact, this stuff is so special, it is not behind wooden doors. It's behind glass doors so that you can see it. She's got... China that belonged to her mother. I think she's got some China that belonged to her grandmother. She's got some China that she's had the 81 years that her and daddy's been married. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's only 59. It's, that's all it is. Isn't that right? 59 in April? Do you know how many times that I got a peanut butter and jelly sandwich on those crystal and on those china plates? I can tell you I'm 50. I don't ever remember eating one scrap off of that china. I do not ever remember a time that we had an event 
that was formal and fancy enough to use the china. Every three or four years, she'll take that china out, wash it, and put it back on the shelf. Now, I can tell you this. God has created some of us that we're fine china. I'm sorry for the rest of you, but it's just the way it is. We're not all the same form, but I can tell you it doesn't matter whether you're a fine china or a paper plate. I just want a hot dog. Right? And can I tell you that the world is not interested in ooing and aahing over fine china. They just need somebody that's going to give them the bread of life. They're not interested in ooing and aahing over a crystal pitcher. They don't care if it's a solo cup, but they're thirsting to death for the grace of God. In fact, the Bible says he wants us to make vessel, become vessels of mercy. And as I understand it, the vessel of mercy was just like the vessel of honor. It looked the same. It functioned the same. The difference was where it was located. The vessel of honor was located in the house, but the vessel of mercy was set up out in the street. The vessel of mercy was set up out in the marketplace. The vessel of mercy was there not so people in the house could get a drink, but so strangers could get a drink. And if we want to be a vessel of honor, we're a blessing to those of the household of faith. But when we want to be a vessel of mercy, we take what we've gotten in here and we take it to the streets and we're there available for some lost and dying sinner to get a drink of living water that'll change their life. I want to be a vessel of mercy, don't you? I want to be a vessel of mercy. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise right there. Now there's one more vessel. We read about this in Acts chapter 9. It happened to the apostle Paul. The Lord spoke when he blinded the apostle Paul or Saul, Tarsus. He spoke to Ananias to go to him and Ananias was afraid because Saul of Tarsus was imprisoning Christians at that point and God saved him, knocked him down, saved him. And the Lord said, put that up there for me, if you will, Chris. The Lord said to Ananias, don't be afraid to go to talk to Saul because he is a chosen vessel to bear my name before the Gentiles and before kings and before the people of Israel. He is a chosen vessel. Now, a chosen vessel was a vessel that when it came out of the fire, the potter noticed that just the right combination of, of heat and whatever color was in that clay had exploded in such a way that in the, in the firing of it, there was an unusual, unique, beautiful pattern. Just something that wasn't run of the mill. And the potter would take that chosen vessel, he would write his name on the bottom of that chosen vessel. He would take that chosen vessel and he would put it up in a closet, in a dark closet. And when you went to the potter's shop, I'm told that it wasn't out there with everything else. You had to know to ask for a chosen vessel. And the potter would go in, you'd say, I want a chosen vessel. And, and the potter would go in and he would select for you. He might have five or six uh, eight or ten chosen vessels, he would select for you which one he wanted you to have and he would bring you a chosen vessel. And God does have people that he 
uses for specific times and specific purposes. And sometimes we ooh and all at those chosen vessels, but can I tell you that there's a price to be paid for being a chosen vessel. And that price more often than not is time spent in the closet. Enter into your closet to pray. And the God that hears in secret will reward you openly. And there's often a feeling for those that are chosen vessels, there's often a feeling of, I know God has something great destined for me, but when is it ever going to happen? And they often feel alone, but understand that for his chosen vessels, God has not set you aside, but he has set you apart. Now we had a chosen vessel at our house. It, it, uh, it wasn't really a chosen vessel. It really wasn't all that expensive. It wasn't all that, all that well made. I think we got it at TJ Maxx, but we, it looked good. It was a huge platter that we put on a stand and we put it on top of our refrigerator. As far as I know, we never used it as a platter. You know, people don't really entertain like they used to in their homes anyway, and we never used it. It was just for looks. It was, a, it was up for people to see. It was on top of the refrigerator. Now, one day we made the mistake of cleaning the top of our refrigerator. As long as there was a cake of dust on the top of the refrigerator, that platter was pretty sound on that stand, but we cleaned off the top of the refrigerator. And Cameron, when he was about, I don't know, nine years old, 10 years old, he went to open the refrigerator, and when he opened that refrigerator, because we had just recently cleaned the top of that refrigerator. Yes, the lesson here is leave your refrigerator top dirty. <laughs> when he pulled that door to open the refrigerator, that big plater, uh, plate, platter uh, on that stand, it began to shift and it slid. And when it slid, it came down and the edge of it hit Cameron right there. And I'm telling you, it split his head open right there. And we said, oh my good!" I mean, I don't mean to, mean to be overly, you know, guttural with this, but blood's dripping on the kitchen floor. We, we thought it killed him. And I said, everybody get in the car. We got to take him to the emergency room. And Katie's about seven or eight. She came down the stairs and she saw Cameron's head. She said, oh, I think I'm going to be sick. <laughs> I said, shut up, Katie. This ain't about you. <laughs> get over it. Get in the car. I took Cameron and took him out here to, to the emergency room. And they, they super glued his head together. I could have done that at the house. I just, the, the person super glued said, you know, you could have done this at your house. If you got any super glue, that's what this is. Of course, their super glue costs about $30,000, but it's <laughs> good super glue. 
and it shattered that platter. And I can tell you that whether it's a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor or a vessel of mercy or a chosen vessel, every vessel can be broken. There are no indestructible vessels. Everybody can get a chip every once in a while. Everybody can get a crack every once in a while. In fact, everybody is susceptible to being shattered. But they say that the first century potter had a little method when one of the vessels would get a crack in it. They would go out and find some cattle. And in the Middle East, they have a little insect that's a little, well, the best way to describe it, it's kind of a Middle Eastern tick. And it's a parasite that attaches itself to, to bulls and goats. They would take that, it's called a fasuka. And they would take that little tick and they would squeeze the blood on that crack and they would take a little dust, a little clay and mix it with that blood and they would fill in that crack and they would put it back in the fire and it, the combination of that blood and that clay would form a glue that would repair the crack. And I want you to know that God sent his only begotten son in the flesh, dust, clay, to shed his blood. And if you're a cracked pot today, the blood of Jesus can still fill in the cracks. He can still repair the trips, the, the chips. He can still repair the damage. He can put it back together again. Someone wrote these beautiful words, empty and broken. I came back to him, a vessel unworthy, so scarred from sin, but he did not despair. He started over again, and I blessed the day he didn't throw the clay away. He is the potter, I am the clay molded in God's image. He wants me to stay when I stumble and fall. When my vessel breaks, he just picks up those pieces. He doesn't throw the clay away. Over and over, he molds me and makes me into his likeness. He fashions the clay. A vessel of honor, I am today. And it's all because Jesus didn't throw the clay away. Would you stand? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed and Christians are praying. Father, in Jesus' name, I'm praying you speak to us right now. Speak to hearts, Lord, and draw them to you. In Jesus' name, Lord, I'm asking your spirit to do what our words cannot do. In Jesus' name.